Wait a minute, where are the DVDs? France, Iowa, whoever mom sold them to, that's where they are. Bullshit if he says he isn't prepared. It's the first day of early voting, right? Yeah, today's the first day. Yeah, see, I'm on top of that. I yeah, watched your you Instagram know. story. <laughs> We're trying to trying to let people know 20 days till the election, I think. Yeah, 20. Yes, sir. I forwarded that email today to another one of your new voters. <laughs> so appreciate it. 20 days, let me count. May 19, 20, 21, 22, Justin, 23, this is so 24. No, this is great podcast content. <laughs> it's 20 days because the legislature like changed the law last year for early voting from 30 days to 20 days, I'm pretty sure. That's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. Yeah, sounds right. All right, let me do a proper introduction. Everybody, welcome back to Rock Hard Caucus. We've got a full slate of caucus co-hosts tonight. I'm here with Stella, Natalie, and Evan. We're all in the house. Uh, you you have three seconds to say hello, everyone. We're Hi. in your house. Hey. <laughs> good. Very good. And uh, tonight we're joined uh, by a returning guest. We've got, uh, this is a big name coming back. Uh, it's been... It's been a long time. I think. Well, I guess you were on. Uh, you were in the background of the Indira Shoemaker episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the episode you were on, where you were the main, uh, you all the attention was on you. That was like a year and a half ago, I think. Anyway, without any further ado, uh, everybody, welcome back to the show, Jalen Cavill. Yo, 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 yo! What's up, everybody? Good to be here, back on the Rock Hard Caucus. Uh, it's a great place with great folks and talking about great stuff. So definitely great to be here. Yeah, I think last time I was, or I guess the last time I had an episode on here where you interviewed me was when I was running for sheriff in 2020. So that was like, right. yeah, fall of 2020. Yeah. So th- this is a follow-up where you are now running for office. Uh, and it seems like it's going a little better this time. You're running for House District uh, 36. And I guess I can ask you directly, how's that going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's been going pretty good. I mean, yeah, I would say better, I guess. But I think our campaign for sheriff was still pretty good. Like yeah. we uh, we talked about the issues that, you know, I felt needed to be talked about. And we got a few thousand votes uh, running a writing campaign for about a month, just mostly on social media. So I wouldn't call it a failure of a campaign. But yeah, this campaign is definitely uh, a lot more serious, I guess. And mm-hmm. uh, the intention is to actually win. Whereas I, you know, <laughs> had no intention of ever wanting to be sh- full county sheriff. Um, but yeah, the, this campaign is is a campaign where I am looking to actually win and uh, get this seat in the legislature and, and really try to advance, um, you know, the issues that we've been talking about and the organizing work that's been happening in Des Moines and across Iowa, you know, really get a, a radical voice in there that can try to shake things up and, and fight on, on stuff that maybe others aren't willing to do. But campaign has been going really good where, you know, today is the first day of early voting. Um, so when folks listen to this, uh, voting will be available to you. Uh, mm-hmm. there's about 20 days left to the election on June 7th. So we are doing all the things that we need to be doing. We're, you know, knocking on doors, making phone calls, spreading the word, doing, doing all that good stuff, doing the organizing work. So I feel good about where we're at. Yeah. And, uh, just in case anybody's listening to this, who does not know where the district lines are for, uh, Iowa house districts, where is the 36th district where you are running? Yeah, good question. Uh, a lot of people probably don't know, especially since all the districts just changed with redistricting right, yeah. last year. So District 36, um, you know, formerly is a lot different than, than what it is now. Um, so people all the time will come up and be like, I'm in your district and they're actually not in my district. But um, <laughs> 36 is, uh, if it's in Des Moines. Um, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, kind of in the middle of Des Moines. It has downtown Des Moines in there um going west until you get the cutoff of like the morning west to morning like 72nd and then south until park so it's basically everything south of the interstate and north of park so downtown des moines is in there the sherman hill neighborhood is in there where i live at the mm-hmm. oak ridge neighborhood is in there you've got 
Woodland Heights of South of Grand, Waterbury, North of Grand neighborhoods, um, and then some of the South Side as well in there. Yeah. So, folks, if you're listening and that sounds like where you live, uh, pay close attention because this you could vote for Jalen if you want. So we're, we're going to try to convince you uh, <laughs> to figure out if you do want to vote for Jalen. I, th- I think we're putting that in the episode description. <laughs> what? Just instructions on voting for Jalen? Uh, yeah, just a picture of the House District 36. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you go to our website, it's one of the first things on the homepage is a map mm-hmm. of it because it is, you know, no one really knows what district they live in right now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did just tweet that image earlier because it's very convenient on your website. Getting some good numbers on there too. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, yeah, I think your re- retweet helped me out. So, uh, <laughs> I was looking at who is running in this race earlier. It's it's pretty interesting. Uh, there are zero Republicans running. So it seems like this primary uh, is kind of the actual election. That is true. Yes, this primary <laughs> uh, is is kind of all of it. Um, whoever wins the primary, you know, should be kind of the presumptive nominee. There's no Republican file. They could end up nominating somebody at convention and running them. But uh, like I said, this is, uh, you know, downtown Des Moines district. It voted like yeah. almost 80% for Joe Biden. Um, so it's very, very safe blue district. Uh, don't think that there's uh, any chance of a Republican winning here, but lots of Democrats running. I think because it is such a safe district, probably encouraged a lot more folks to jump in the race. It's, you know, one of the reasons that probably motivates me to, to be in the race too, just because I think this is an opportunity um, because of how solidly blue the district is that we can have someone in here who's really a champion on the issues and then really um, says what needs to be said and doesn't like try to play these political games and, and try to, you know, act like a moderator or do these things that they think they need to do in order to win votes. I'm, I'm going in there and I'm going to fight uh, every single day. And I, I feel like I have some of that safety um, because it is such a blue district. Yeah. Hey, can you give me an example of uh, something that needs to be said? Something that needs to be said. I mean, uh, I think there's a lot. I think one thing that, you know, uh, and it's a a basis of my campaign is something that I don't think any other candidate, you know, at least Democrat or Republican, my good friend Alejandro is running and and running on similar issues. But uh, at least, you know, in the Democrat or Republican side, no, no candidate for legislature is talking about the problem we have with our Iowa prisons. Um, you know, it's it's an issue that I think Democrats and Republicans are unified in. Um, we even saw last year Democrats trying to come uh, out and, and be even further to the right than Republicans on prisons and saying that we need to provide more funding to Iowa prisons. And and I don't think anyone is really talking about, you know, how much this is harming our state, harming harming our society, um, the prison industrial complex, the, the fact that we're spending hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of our state budget to go towards prisons and police Meanwhile, people in our communities are suffering, and, and every time there's a problem in our society, we're just pointing to to putting more money to cops and putting more money to jails, and we think that that's going to fix things. And, and that's a bipartisan uh, mindset. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, I want to go in there and, and really um, try to try to have conversations about this and, and talk about this in a way that hopefully people can can kind of wrap their heads around it. Because I mean, I think you know us like-minded folks, we understand the the cruelty of, of the prison industrial complex, the prison system. We understand the racism that's you know baked into all of our systems. But but some folks might not understand that. But when you talk about it um, in terms of our budget, our state budget, and where we're really putting our resources, you know, I think that's a conversation that can maybe uh, open some folks' eyes. Um, you know, I'm willing to have that conversation, and I'm willing to have a lot more conversations about about stuff that I think Democrats and Republicans alike just aren't because of you know political games or or capital interests, basically, um, you know, mm-hmm. they're yeah. being beholden to, to different corporate interests um, that, you know, I won't be beholden to. So wait, is, is bipartisanship bad? <laughs> I, I, if you ask Cindy Axney, it's not, it's a, it's a virtue. Um, she's number one at, in bipartisanship. She's not, it was like, she was ranked like eighth or ninth or something on the list, oh, okay. but she made it a, <laughs> she wasn't even number one, but she made it a whole graphic and posted it like five times on Twitter. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone hates it too. Why are you putting that on Twitter? Everyone just yeah, jumps yeah. on there and calls her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think bipartisanship uh, can be bad, um, especially when we're talking about uh, all of the issues that Republicans and Democrats tend to be unified on, um, right? Uh, and, and it tends to be, right, supporting corporations. 
you know, whether that be the, the corporate agriculture industry here in Iowa, that's destroying our environment, destroying our waters, destroying our air. We see Democrats and Republicans coming together to sign the E15 bill, you know, requiring more pumping up the ethanol industry, which we know is a false climate solution and killing our environment. Mm-hmm. You know, police and prisons, of course, Democrats and Republicans are basically fighting with each other to show who's more pro-cop than the other one. Um, you know, when it comes to issues of imperialism, the military, um, of course, Democrats and Republicans are unified in, in, in spending and supporting that uh, that industry. So there, I think bipartisanship can be a really bad thing, especially when you're talking about um, in practice. Right. It, it tends to be Democrats moving to the right always when, when we're talking about yeah. bipartisanship compromises. It's never Republicans conceding any any ground. It's always Democrats moving to the center, moving to the right in order to pass these bipartisan bills and conceding all of these things that are necessary for people. Um, and, and then claiming that as a win. So I don't really get down with that, but I, I'm also not opposed to working with Republicans. I've said that as well. Um, there's something I tweeted yesterday about uh, how I support banning traffic cameras, mm, yeah, ban- yeah. banning traffic cameras in our state. And that's actually something that Republicans tried to pass in the legislature last year. They introduced a yeah. bill to ban traffic cameras, which I'm in support of. If you're ever driving in the city of Des Moines on our highway, there's, you know, cameras all over the place. You'll get mail tickets. Um, it, it's, you know, an, an aspect of surveillance culture that the police use to suppress us. So I support banning traffic cameras. Republicans support banning traffic cameras for the most part. Democrats came out uh, against that last year, said that this was an attempt by Republicans to defund the police because police mm. make so much money yeah. um, on these tickets that they can mail <laughs> to people. Right. And and so, so yeah, if, if there's another bill to ban traffic cameras, I'll be voting with Republicans um, and not with Democrats. So I guess you could call me bipartisan in that sense. so no traffic cameras but maybe like the equivalent of a body cam on governor reynolds car for accountability (laughs) purposes That awesome. could be like something you uh, sneak in there on that show. <laughs> we got to watch. Yeah. We got to check it out. Amendment from Representative Cavill, uh, dash cams on all uh, <laughs> state official vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> so according to uh, the Ballotpedia page for the Iowa House of Representative elections, there are actually six Democrats running in your primary, primary right now, which is... Uh, which makes you, I think, tied for the most competitive uh, race for the Iowa House. I'm wondering if, if you've had any sort of interactions with your primary opponents. It's a hot race, for sure. Six <laughs> candidates. Everyone's talking about it, yo. Um, no, but uh, it's... it's <laughs> I, I have heard a lot of people talk about it just because of how many candidates are in the race. It's it's kind of makes it unpredictable as well. Like, I, you know, I feel good about our organizing that we've done. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I don't really know what will happen on Election Day. You know, there, there's a lot of candidates, you know, I think in this field, it's it's kind of easy for me to distinguish myself um, among the candidates who are in the race. A lot of folks are kind of running on the same things, just kind of generic Democrat mm-hmm. items, right, that you would see on, on a party platform. Um, just, you know, vague virtues of social justice um, and, and that kind of thing. Um, there are a lot of wealthy opponents in my race. Two of the people in my race are medical doctors. Mm-hmm. One of them is an attorney. So, you know, that's there's a big difference there. I, I'm, I'm struggling to get by uh, just doing work in my community. You know, I, I'm the only black candidate in the race. Uh, so, you know, I, I do think that that, you know, gives me somewhat of a, a different lived experience, of course, and, and just provides a different perspective on the issues that the other candidates don't have. Yeah. I'm the youngest candidate in the race. So, you know, I, I see that as a, a benefit. I represent kind of a, a younger generation that is more involved and, and, and cares really deeply about stuff going on in our community um, and, and maybe wants to do things a different type of way. So I, I think I have all those things going for me when it comes to just kind of comparing me in a field of so many other candidates. It's kind of easy to set me apart from the rest of them, which is good. And, and they're, they're all nice people. I've, I've met them, interacted with them. We've been at forums and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So they're they're fine they're they're all you know standard democrats of course i think i'm the best candidate in the race right <laughs> like I, I don't think i would be running if i if i thought i wasn't the best candidate in the race and I, that i didn't think that i could um do the best job at representing this area um and then when it comes to the issues i'm definitely set apart from from other candidates just from some of the things that we've talked about already um and and just the fact that i i do want to take a more radical approach to our politics um, and I'm an organizer at heart, and I want to bring that along with me when it comes to, to being in elected office. I want to continue to organize and, and you know, I want to build power um, for, for our community and, and make sure that um, this isn't something where I'm just 
becoming an elected official and will become a politician and just, you know, vote blue every time and, and just be a standard Democrat. Like, that's not why I'm running to just be a standard Democrat. There's plenty of folks running in this race that are that, you know, you could pick that would be standard Democrats. But, you know, I'm hoping that voters will see me and, and recognize that uh, this is a moment of urgency. This is a moment uh, where, you know, where, where our state is sliding further and further um, in the wrong direction. And, and people are really being harmed by it. And then we do need to, to do things differently. We need to, to shake things up. We need to, to, to really go in there and fight um, and present radical new ideas, things that haven't been done before, things that other people are maybe uncomfortable talking about. Uh, that, that's why I'm running. Yeah. Uh, what you mentioned, you're, you're uh, the youngest candidate. Uh, could you could you tell us how old you are exactly, sir? Yeah. I... Oh, this makes me sad. I was so upset when I found this out. <laughs> well, I, I just recently turned 25. So I'm 25 now. It's like a, a quarter century. That's pretty old, right? Like, yeah, I agree. It should be yeah. illegal. It should be illegal to be younger than me. That's your first bill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm young, but I think I have experience um, in a lot of ways. I, I have been an organizer in my community for years now. You know, all of the issues that you know, you'll find on my campaign or on our campaign literature um, that I'm running on are all things that I have been organizing around and, and fighting for already. Like, I'm I'm not someone that's coming new new to this kind of stuff. Um, these are these are fights that I've been having. Um, up at the state house with with legislators organizing protests, having meetings with Governor Kim Reynolds and and the others. So so I have that experience, um, and I think I'm I'm tapped into the community in a way that other candidates aren't either, which which provides just a, a good insight and, and good experience in other ways. Um, because I, I have been organizing alongside community members, especially our most marginalized community members. I I think that that's all a benefit to me. So I might be the youngest candidate in the race, but. Uh, I, I think my candidacy represents something that is is better than than what the other candidates represent. I guess <laughs> not trying to not yeah. trying to talk a yeah. bunch of shit. I'm just saying. Well, it is a competition. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> election, yeah. right? Well, we. I mean, you. <laughs> we may all not, agree. <laughs> you may not want to talk shit, but that's kind of what we do. So I think, <laughs> like, I think it's honestly in your favor that you're 25, because look, kind of where we are with the old fucks who are running the place right now. Like we do need younger people to be active and engaged and to run for office and to hold office. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you are so experienced too. And um, I'm just complaining because I hate aging, um, but also because I was a fucking loser when I was 24 or 25. That's, no, that's not true. <laughs> yes, it is. And so it, like when people have done as much as you have, Jalen, it just is like, it's inspiring and really cool and also just to think We take it personally, so, yeah. I take it personally. I appreciate that. You have done a lot of dope shit too, though, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so you know being uh, a community organizer for the past few years when you are out there knocking doors canvassing how often do the people that you are uh speaking to already know who you are because of what you've already been doing in the community yeah it's it's pretty often a lot of a lot okay. of folks will recognize me you know they'll say that they've heard of me or a lot of people will be like oh i follow you on twitter <laughs> um, or, or, you know, I've yeah met other people at events and stuff like that. And then I knock on the door and I'm like, oh yeah, I already know you. So yeah, that's always nice um, to, to just be kind of recognized in the community and, and already have that familiarity when I'm going to talk to someone at their door. So yeah, that's, that's been good. I, I do. I think I have a pretty decent name recognition in, in this district and just in Des Moines, just because of the work I, that I have been doing and the way that the media, um, <laughs> you know, has, has been the media and, tries to you know you know what i mean there there's there's certain people in the community that the media will will continuously run stories on and stuff like that i don't know it's a lot of lazy journalism as well as um, but, uh, uh, yeah people so a lot of people do know who i am and there's a lot of of, of it's a, it makes it a really easy to to be able to have conversations that way if someone has at least heard of me um sometimes though too there are people that have heard of me and i like do not like me which is is fine, <laughs> um, you know what I mean. Like can't can't win them all, especially um, when it comes to to the type of work that that I do. I think that yeah, I'm never gonna have everybody you know be on my side or, or be supportive of me. But it, it's mostly positive. Yeah, I mean that's what happens when you are challenging the uh, existing social order. There are people who uh, are invested in the existing social order. <laughs> 
Uh, but your mention of the media actually gives me a good opening to start uh, grilling you. So I've got this uh, article here from the Iowa Torch, uh, written by Shane Vanderhart. Uh, this came out in January. I just want to get uh, get a statement from Jalen while we have him here on this. Um, <laughs> Uh, Jalen Cavill, a candidate for the Democratic nomination in the newly drawn Iowa House District 36 that encompasses the west side of Des Moines, on Friday encouraged Iowans in his district to vote for him because he would not support the, quote, violent and racist Iowa State Patrol. Uh, And this this was Jalen responding to a tweet that the Iowa State Patrol posted, uh, which was celebrating the unwavering support we receive from our elected officials thank you iowa legislature yeah jalen called the iowa state patrol violent and racist and vowed to never give them his unwavering support and uh i guess i guess while we've got him here uh jalen is the iowa state patrol violent and racist 100 percent. i 100 percent stand by that <laughs> and if you see my tweets like it's backed up as well by evidence like i i cited news stories um, statistics, studies that have been done that show the use of force by the Iowa State Patrol on Black people, their arrest rate on Black people. Like, I'm not just like pulling that out of thin air. Obviously, I have personal experience with the Iowa State Patrol being violent and racist, but there have been studies done. Like, we can f- look at the data and, and see that this is true. So, yes, I stand by that. And, and to think that any elected official would give the Iowa State Patrol their unwavering support, I think is ridiculous. Why would you ever give uh, you know, a police agency, you're un, uh, you know, you can say you'll support the agency, but unwavering support that to me, that sounds like anything that yeah. they do, you will still stand by them and support them, yeah. <laughs> which to me, that's unacceptable. Mm, sounds yeah, right. that, that makes no sense. I think they did they delete that tweet though, too. I think they might have. <laughs> I'll say, I love the right wing, the right wing media, the Iowa Torch, Iowa Standard. And, I, and Natalie has experience with this too. And it's the same point I'm trying to make because I said they just did this to you. But every time. Anti life activist. Every time they write <laughs> they a story about me, yes, they literally make a yes. transcript of everything I said and put it into an it article. Rules. And I'm like, thank you so much for doing that. Then I there share it. And I'm like, they don't even like. I was like, I see Yes, they've always words. Like, they did that to me last year when they were uh, doing the, the debate and the Iowa Senate for the uh, anti-abortion bill, the, the constitutional amendment that they ended up passing out of the legislature yeah. last year, they had a, a hearing for it. And I spoke at the hearing uh, against it. And they like literally printed every single thing I said, like word for word, like me calling out this pastor who was like speaking and, and all that stuff. So every time that they they do that, I, I share it. That's, that same dude, uh, what's that dude named Caleb or whatever for... Uh, Caleb Lilquist. Yeah, he right. What is the what is the one the? That's the Iowa Field Report. The field. I can't. Field yeah, report. Field Report Standard. Yeah. Uh, they're all the same thing. But yeah. that dude literally was following me around everywhere with the camera, like taking videos and stuff of me, and then yeah, making tweets like trying to make me look bad. But again, it's all stuff that I stand by. So it's like, I guess, thank you for amplifying this. <laughs> well, now that you've uh, mentioned Caleb, I've got three of his articles pulled up as well. Um, and uh, three. Wow. This is what I mean by lazy journalism as well. These people need to do real journalism work. Like, find a story, do some investigative work. Like, talk to sources, write some stuff up. Like, why are you just following me around everywhere I go and just writing down yeah. what I say and turning it into an article? <laughs> Political TMZ. <laughs> And I will say I, I did confirm the Iowa State Patrol did delete their tweet where they were thanking the Iowa legislators for their unwavering support. Uh, possibly, that means you won. Yeah, due to Jalen's criticism, perhaps. That means you won. <laughs> that's a that's a W. <laughs> All right. Well, now, yeah, we're on the subject of Caleb Lilquist now and his uh, journalism career. Here's a piece he wrote for the Iowa Field Report in June of 2021. And... I just searched Jalen's name on the Iowa Field Report just to see what came up. So this is Caleb writing about uh, stuff that was going on at Des Moines City Hall. Over the past month, Des Moines City Hall has encountered frequent disruptions from black liberation, quote unquote, activists. That's something he likes to do is call you (laughs) activists in quotes. (laughs) Into question. Yeah. Are, Are they really activists? Are they doing activism? Uh, who (laughs) narrowingly believe Iowa is becoming a, quote, fascist and or oppressive state. Already there. That's right. Yeah, true. No lies detected. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so he's trying to kind of turn the tables on uh, Des Moines BLM. 
let's put the group's actions into perspective. Bullet point one. Frequent calls for the complete abolition of DMPD. Hell yeah, yeah. Let's put it into perspective, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Bullet point two. Calls for the firing of a local police chief for being a Trump supporter. Dana Winger, that's, you know, one of the list of hundreds of reasons why he should be fired. That's not the only reason yeah. he should, you know, be fired. For real. Yeah, that's definitely not the, the thing we're, we're, we're really using as the basis of his firing. But throw it in there. <laughs> well, you know, while, while we can get the context, uh, what would you say is the number one reason Dana Winger should be fired? I mean, just the the violence that has the violence and racism that has taken place in the Des Moines Police Department under his watch since he's been the, the chief of police and his constant refusal to even say anything about it, let alone discipline or make any type of changes within the department. He won't even make any kind of public statement. And there, you know, video after video of his officers um, brutalizing residents in the city of Des Moines, uh, racially profiling residents. There are many. Uh, lawsuits that have been won by residents for racial profiling and police abuse here in our city. And, and Dana Wingert still maintains control of the department and makes no changes and gets supported by the city council besides Indira. Uh, and so, yeah, he, he definitely needs to be fired. The, the culture of, of the Des Moines Police Department, you know, it, it, it stems from him. Well, of course. We should send that that sound bite to Caleb, and then he can edit the article to update that exactly word for yeah, word. And I'll be clear when I say the culture. I mean, obviously, policing is violent and racist, and it doesn't matter what kind of police chief you put in there. Um, I don't believe mm -hmm. that the department should, uh, you know, exist like like Caleb wrote in his first bullet point. So, yeah. so but but yeah, Dana Winger um, is excessively bad. <laughs> so it's more than just who he voted for. <laughs> Uh, there's two more bullet points. Number three is harassing and preventing a student reporter from covering a BLM event. See, that's petty and personal, it seems like. <laughs> which, which student reporter is he talking about? Like you're, you're not supposed to write yourself into your own story. That's like a, I think, like, that's... <laughs> oh and my I gosh. personally didn't stop him from doing anything. There, you know, He was coming up to our events and harassing us and was unwanted. And was taking pictures of people that didn't want pictures taken of them. So we have people who, you know, help with security at our events that were asking him to leave and made sure that he left. So <laughs> fine. I'm fine the with prevention it. Of a, <laughs> He's not a real journalist. So an intrepid, dashing young journalist prevented <laughs> from covering story. <laughs> I was number one up and coming journalist, was barred from events. <laughs> <laughs> Victim of, of mob mentality. <laughs> Careful culture strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, one more is uh, refusing to let others speak at a city council meeting other than themselves. Uh, we don't control the rules of the city council meeting. Like, the, the K yeah. has her finger on the mic. She mutes it. Uh, <laughs> Frank <laughs> County. I mean, maybe they're referring to the one city council meeting that was allegedly, um, you know, disrupted. I don't know. I say allegedly, it's on video, but it was, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe there is that one city council meeting that, that we, we disrupted and put an end to. But, uh, yeah, we don't control who speaks at city council meetings. That's Kay Smelly. Take it up with her. Yeah, you should have signed up no more than 10 days and no less than five days before the Tuesday before the last yeah. yeah, she will love love to hear from you. Uh, I would recommend many people email her. Yeah. <laughs> you should email her to complain. <laughs> so uh, I guess the purpose behind these bullet points that Caleb presented is... Uh, for the record, one of the main aspects of fascism and oppression consists of the forceful suppression of any opposition and criticism to one's movement. Oh, so so we're the fascists. Real fascists? Yes, that's right. You're the real yeah. fascists. You're the real fascists. Okay. <laughs> Even though, I, yeah, <laughs> that dude's a joke, honestly. Which makes Caleb Antifa. Mm. Yeah. yeah, if you think about Don't it. put that on him, you know write a story about you no i really that dude is a joke honestly like i said I, he's a really bad journalist like he doesn't even write well like if you read his stories and yeah i'm being uh i'm being very uh nice reading his stories and not pointing out every like error as i read right them. my only real problem with that with caleb is the way that he has continuously tried to twist like 
violence in the Des Moines public schools or in quotes, you know, and, and yes. tried to turn that into, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's one of the people who's trying to really whip up the, the whole uh, bring the SROs back into the schools because the, the, the SROs were removed from Des Moines public schools. Um, and so he, you know, has written a lot of stories about that and tried to frame it as like, oh, this is like BLM's fault, Jalen's fault for like being anti-police. Now the schools are filled with violence, which is not true. Like the schools are, you know, are not ex- filled with ex- extra violence. And, you know, there, there's a concerted effort by him, as well as like more mainstream media like KCCI um, and, and other outlets mm-hmm. here in Des Moines that are really trying to push this, like put the cops back in schools. So I do take problem with that and like definitely uh, don't fuck with that guy at all. <laughs> yeah, that that was the next uh, article I had pulled up was uh, another one where he like embedded a bunch of your tweets uh, talking about <laughs> school resource officers. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, essentially they he tries to blame you for uh the shooting that happened is like it's because the sros aren't in the schools anymore which it was a drive-by shooting outside of a school but yeah literally yeah, not inside it's, the school. it's ridiculous yeah. um yeah that, that guy's awful and and there's a whole bunch of those those people that are just in this like right-wing blog ecosphere they just churn out these shitty articles and reply to people's tweets and <laughs> <laughs> i don't know they're they're bad <laughs> But I, I, I feel like, um, you know, kind of tying back in with the campaign, like I've already started to see a little bit and I anticipate more, hopefully, when, once I win, hopefully, uh, that, that they will start to like make me even more of like a boogeyman type figure um, and, and, and try to, you know, villainize <laughs> me and, and try to, because we've seen it. So I don't, I don't know if y'all remember, but like Pat Grassley one time, actually going back to that tweet about the State Patrol, Pat Grassley had like retweeted me and was like, mm-hmm this is the handpicked like candidate of the Iowa democratic party. Uh, yes. Like, which is like, couldn't be further from the truth. Obviously. Like there's, if there was five other candidates <laughs> running against me, I feel like the IDP is doing a bad job of supporting yeah. their handpicked candidate. But, um, <laughs> but no, like, so, so like I, them and like the, the Iowa standard or Iowa torch or whatever have like tried to pick up on this and like, he's a Democrat running for Iowa house. And like, he's talking about abolition or he's talking bad about police or, or this and that. And, and try to like, you know, equate that with the rest of the Iowa Democratic Party and try to make me into some kind of villain. Uh, I, I foresee that happening and I'll have to be ready for it. But again, as well, part of the reason <laughs> part of the reason be, I'm running so is cool. to try to like have cool. the, these issues be talked about. Right. And and, and have this be more. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the things I'm talking about with police and prisons and in our in our problems with white supremacy and racism in our state. Um, need to be in the more mainstream political discussion than they're not. So if if I am elected, I will have that form of legitimacy in folks' eyes um, and, and, and can speak on these issues. And, and, you know, Republicans will try to frame it in, in a certain type of way that Democrats, I'm sure, will, will think is scary and, and try to distance themselves from me, right? Like, like we saw in 2020 when they blamed us for their losses. Yeah. But it'll be something we'll have to navigate. But I'm looking forward to it and looking forward to um, there actually being someone up there advocating for defund the police because they keep going back and saying, oh, Democrats are losing because they're supporting defund the police. But there's there's no one even advocating for defund the police who's a Democrat. So let's try. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, have you. So the accusation that you are the Iowa Democratic Party's handpicked candidate. I mean, anyone who knows you knows that that's not the case. Do you feel like, uh, you know, the powers that be in the Iowa Democratic Party, are any of them supportive of you? Have you have you talked to any of the big people in the state? Like, what do they think of your candidacy? Yeah. I mean, so like like you said, I, I'm not the, the Iowa Democratic Party's handpicked candidate. You know, Representative Confirst is the one who's kind of in charge <laughs> of the the Iowa House Dems now um, as the minority leader. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I've spoken to her one time at, at an event. And she just said, good luck. She's reminded me that she's, she said, we're staying mm-hmm. out of the race. I was like, okay. So yeah. I'm, I, I hope that's true, <laughs> but I, I don't know. We've gotten some good endorsements, right? Like I, I'm an anti-establishment candidate um, for sure, but we've gotten endorsements from some elected officials uh, like Representative Ross Smith, mm-hmm. um, uh, Representative Akeo Abdul-Samad, Representative Ruth Ann Gaines. So, you know, three members of uh, the Iowa Democratic Legislative Caucus up there. So that's somewhat uh, institutional. But as far as like the party goes, 
um, and, and the folks yeah. who are really in charge of like kind of running these legislative campaigns on the Democratic side. It's just been kind of like, you know, hands off. They just assure us they're staying out of it and they're not going to support anybody. But who knows? You know, I, I know that there are other candidates in my race uh, that have more establishment support um, for sure and, and have people who are definitely pulling some strings and stuff and, and you know, supporting them behind the scenes. But, hmm. you know, not not saying that's dirty or anything, just just real, just politics. But uh, it's it's something that I always expected. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't come in here expecting to to have the Democrats wrap their arms around me and, and <laughs> lift me up and say, this is our guy. Right. <laughs> I, I've been very critical of, of the Iowa Democratic Party uh, <laughs> ever since folks have been paying attention to anything I have to say. So. You know, it's it's not surprising to me. God, I want to ask you about what's going on behind the scenes with the string pulling, but I, I don't know if you want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, no, maybe we'll talk after this. <laughs> no, I'm, there's no accusations out there. I'm just, uh, it's you know, it's expected, right? And and the district yeah. I'm in as well has a lot of it has a wealthier area to it that have a lot of like big time Democrat folks. So yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I saw one of those doctors is going to cure erectile oh, dysfunction or something. Uh, do you have any response for that? Yeah, what will you do for boners, Jalen? No, electile, Stella. I mean, I, I support oh, single player. I support me. you know putting a ca- putting a cap on on subscription on prescription yeah. drug prices right now. Yeah. So you know, I I definitely want to make sure people have their healthcare and their medications available to them, and, and everyone has you know access and 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 has that universally available, but. uh I, I honestly don't know about that, that t-shirt design. Uh, yeah, I, I, there were some funny comments because I see Nat- Natalie posted it on Twitter. Um, and, and who gives, I liked the one that said, uh, I'm surprised Ray Gunn hasn't made this yet. I thought that was <laughs> that one was pretty good. And then people were making some good points too because his, his whole thing was saying that the Republican Party is like impotent, like impotent governance. But then like people were like, well, that's actually not the definition of impotent. Mm. Like <laughs> they're actually like in power and like yeah. doing whatever they want yeah. to. So is that really, yeah. I don't know, confusing messaging? You won't see that coming out of my campaign. <laughs> pretty hard from what I could see. I know. And it's kind of like... <laughs> I think the flaccid, impotent party is, you yeah, know, I mean, maybe, if, maybe more I feel like that. the question should be back at y'all, honestly, right? Like, as the, the Rock Hard Caucus, how do you feel about another person in this Iowa political space trying to, like, use these these phallic jokes? To yeah. elbow in on the dick yeah, jokes. I mean, every, everyone can tell, like, what he's right. trying to imply there. Like, who he's trying to nudge out of the uh, Iowa politics dick joke it's kind of like y'all's ip honestly like your intellectual property like maybe you should hire an attorney out i'm just kidding but uh uh, no that's uh, funny stuff funny stuff um (laughs) i i don't know i don't know about that shirt but uh he's a doctor so maybe he knows more about that stuff than me obviously Uh, yeah, so we are talking about uh, healthcare and uh, medicine, and, and that you did mention the uh, abortion constitutional amendment from before. Um, this is another Caleb Loquist article, but uh, he brought up that there was a Des Moines Black Liberation activist blocked downtown streets in an effort to protest the latest murmurings of overturning Roe v. Wade. Uh, and so he he pointed out that you and others were chanting a slogan, fuck the church, fuck the state, we decide our fate. Yeah, only we decide our fate, yeah. Only. He missed a word. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bad journalism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, that's that's one of the most, you know, pressing, relevant uh, federal issues right now is the state of abortion. I'm More than federal. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a state issue very soon everywhere. I, I mean, what is your position on abortion, Jalen? I support abortion and support um, every every Iowan, every person in this country having access to abortion. Uh, you know, abortion is health care. And so, yeah, definitely oppose any attempts to to strip people of their bodily autonomy or try to to ban abortion. That's that's where I'm at. I think obviously uh, we need to to be very very diligent in our organizing and, and really be be going hard to support abortion rights here in Iowa, um, just because we know that they already have that timeline going. 
Like we talked about the, the constitutional amendment passing last year. So they just need to pass that out of session one more time. Uh, and that can, that can then go on the ballots for people to, to then vote on to, to ban abortion. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, it's, we, it's, it's a pressing issue. Um, and, and, you know, it's looking like we we're not going to have the protections of Roe anymore. So yeah, I'm, I'm committed to the fight to protecting abortion access. hundred percent. We'll continue to uplift and support uh, organizations like the Iowa abortion access fund um, and other mutual aid efforts that are able to provide resources to people. Um, and, and if, you know, we do come to that, that place where abortion is, is fully banned here in the state of Iowa, we'll continue to support, like I said, mutual aid efforts and um, whatever other organizing is going on to make sure that people still have that access they need. Would you call yourself pro-choice or pro-abortion? <laughs> yeah, both. I, I, I support folks having the choice to have an abortion. But I know that there's like, right, I, I agree with, you know, the attempts to try to destigmatize uh, abortion. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, like, even when we had that, that protest uh, for BLM, we, we had a, a sign, a big banner that said, honk if you love abortion. And people were like on Facebook, like, that is not the right message to be sending at this time. Like we need to be talking about choice and like, yeah. So, I mean, I'll say I'm pro-abortion. Like, yes, I, I support anyone having the, the right to, to have an abortion who needs one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everyone who gets one needs one. Like there's really no other reason to get one. Yeah, that is yeah. true. What if, <laughs> what if a woman is nine months pregnant and she goes to an abortion clinic and goes into labor and the baby comes out singing the Michigan J frog theme? <laughs> I was man. And then, I knew you were going there somehow. I knew it was going to be dancing out of I mean, <laughs> with a little cane and it, top hat. <laughs> it's just one of the one of, something we've talked about is a lot is like the wealth of bad takes that this whole the, the whole leaked opinion has churned out, and it really just goes to show you how little people actually know about abortion and when. It needs to be accessed and at what what point in a pregnancy and in what situations. And that one made me laugh. Though. Yeah, no, I, I saw that tweet going around. It was very ridiculous. But then the sad part is that like that tweet literally like made its way into Congress today. I don't know if y'all saw like there's a clip <laughs> during the hearing in the U.S. The U.S. Congress. I forgot which congressman it was, but he was was asking a doctor who was testifying oh, well, what if someone is getting an abortion at eight months and the, they start giving birth and the baby's halfway out? Like, what do you what do you do then? And the doctor was like, what you're talking about? Something that does not exist. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know that's Natalie's line. Do not engage in hypotheticals. Yeah, it's it's never going to go anywhere. I was at a protest outside of a church the other day and uh, one of the members of the church came out and he, he was a father. He had two kids. And uh, speaking of hypotheticals, he started getting into the hypothetical of his daughter's rape. Ew. So that's, that's where hypotheticals get you, is just saying the wildest Ew. shit in public ever. <laughs> it's just like escalating the worst situations you can imagine mm-hmm. on top of each other and everyone like calling out their trauma. And it just like, it's just a bad idea. I think. Yeah. And that was always like the worst kid in class. I feel like that would just like raise their hand and be like, what if then this happened? What if this happened? And what if then that happened? It's like, oh, like let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you brought up Alejandro a while ago, and um, they are running as an independent, right? Yeah, the homie Alejandro, Senate District 17. Mm-hmm. And so you, we've discussed a little bit, like, you know, some of the Democratic establishment has been supportive. Some are running away from you uh, as quickly as possible. Um, so I guess what is your theory on... I mean, the difference between your campaign and Alejandro's campaign, like what's what are the benefits of you running as a Democrat? Uh, and are there any cons? Like what, what does Alejandro get to do that you don't get to do anything like that? Yeah, no, I think uh, that's a definitely a good question. Something I definitely struggled with a lot, just like before even launching the campaign. Right. Like I had, you know, kind of decided and knew that I wanted to run. But then I was the big question was, do I run as a Democrat or, or do I run independent? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was also having talks with Alejandro and I knew that they were planning on uh, running for that Senate seat as an independent. Um, and yeah, I went back and forth on it a lot and then really had to kind of decide what I wanted to do. And ultimately, I, I decided to run in the Democratic primary. 
you know, there are a few reasons for that. Like one, I'll, I'll say, like, I've always been a registered Democrat. Like ever since I turned 18, I've been a registered Democrat. Never in my life have I, you know, said I'm changing to independent or, or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's not like I'm switching around or doing anything out of the ordinary. I'm just running for office as what I currently yeah. am registered as. But, you know, uh, I, I do think also like I, 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 I want to win this this campaign i i want to 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 get in this office and actually be able to uh work on these things that i'm talking about and i thought that this was you know just to be frank like a, a an easier path to victory um you know it's like i was saying before it's an 80 percent democratic uh district voted for joe biden and and so to to win the democratic primaries to basically win the election and and so i i saw a path to victory there and and just felt like that was the, the right move for me i definitely Still, you know, obviously some of my hesitations, right, were like, I do have major criticisms of the Democratic Party, of the two-party system, of electoral politics in general. Um, You know, I'm like, am I just funneling more people back into the Democratic Party, like keeping people in the Democratic Party when like maybe the argument is that we should all like be having a mass exodus and everybody changing their registration, right? Um, So that's, that's one thing. Which you know, it, it it could be happening where I'm I'm keeping people in the Democratic Party, but then I also remind people that uh, you can you can change your registration to a Democrat and vote on June seventh, and then the next day change your registration back. Um, so you, think about that, everybody. <laughs> you have that available yeah. to you. So um, it's always come in handy for me. Yeah. And I would say, like you said, things that like aren't available to you. Um, there there are more things available to you running as a Democrat, like running in the party system than than running as an independent. For example, like we're able to fundraise using Act Blue, mm, right? Which if you're an independent, you can't use. We're able to have access to VAN, the voter action network, which is what we used to organize and, and have access to all of the voter files and and be able to talk to people. You can't have access to that if you're you're not in the party. So you know those are, are just like some some organizational tools and things that we're just able to have access to being in the party. But I think there are benefits to running as an independent. Like like we were talking about, there's an argument to be made that we should all be switching to an independent and, and putting pressure on the Democratic Party to get in line with, with what the people want or, or you know, we're not going mm-hmm. to continue to vote, vote for you, which, you know, I, I definitely support that argument. I, I see the the. I see that argument as valid. Um, and, and I would say I practice that in, in a lot of senses. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's Democrats that I don't vote for. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Like I said, it's, it's something I go back and forth on. I think the the benefits of, of running as an independent are that you are, you know, maybe able to, to, I mean, I don't want to say you're able to say what you want because I think I still say what I want to you're say. You're already doing that, yeah. Like, yeah, like for example, like me, me and Alejandro, we actually just co-authored and put out a piece in uh, Bleeding Heartland today. Yep. Um, actually calling out Democrat, our Democratic representative Cindy Axney for her her pro police legislation mm-hmm. that she's pushing right now called the Invest to Protect mm-hmm. Act. Um, and yeah, she's she's the only Democrat in Congress from the state of Iowa, right? She's Iowa Democrats love Cindy Axney. They 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 definitely always try to raise up Cindy Axney. Um and, and people in the district really love her. So obviously um by by putting out an article where I'm calling Cindy Axney racist um and and, and calling her out, you know, I, I risk upsetting people in the party that I'm running in, right? Yeah. But I I, I want to continue to to be who I am and, and say what I believe, um, whether I'm a Democrat or an independent. So I'm going to stay true to that. So maybe that'll turn around and, and bite me in the ass. And, and and maybe I should have ran as an independent <laughs> because uh, people in the Democratic primary are are not going to, to end up supporting me because of my criticism of the party. But I guess we'll find out. But Alejandro as well uh, has the benefit of being able to to run a longer campaign where they're only focused on the general election. So Mm-hmm. You know, that, that could that could benefit them because they're in a district as well, like mine, that is a very solidly democratic district. It also is a, a very diverse district. Um, and so, you know, they, if if they're able to organize um, for an extended period of time and, and take on a Democrat challenger, um, they, they have a shot of winning. We're planning on having them on there, too, but they don't know that yet. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. We're going to have Alejandro on, but they don't know that yet. <laughs> yeah, we have to uh, ask them. <laughs> I'm sure they'll come on. But that's to come. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Do y'all think I'm fake for running as a Democrat? Let me know. No, no, I, I don't think so. I, no. well, as you were as you were talking, I was actually remembering that uh, podcast we did, uh, you, me, and Evan, like when you were 
after you uh, ran for sheriff and we were talking about like exactly this, like, should we be organizing in opposition outside of the Democratic Party? And I, I think sort of like what we came to in that conversation was the Iowa Democrats are already pretty much as low as they can be. Like, and, and they clearly <laughs> haven't learned any sort of lesson from their heavy losses over the past 10 years or so. So it's like, I think it makes a lot of sense to do what you're doing. Like, what power are they really going to have over you as like the minority party like they're desperate for people to even like win <laughs> seats and hold them like they're they're probably not going to really punish you for having criticisms right hopefully we'll see i mean i, I honestly <laughs> have no clue what could happen right i guess there's a possibility that yeah. i could like maybe have my committee seats taken away or something i don't know sure but yeah. uh we'll, we'll see and i think honestly if they were were wise uh they they would recognize that like my candidacy and other people's candidacies and, and the young people in our, our community that are so engaged, um, it's an opportunity for them to build numbers and 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 actually uh, shift the direction of the state and, and of their party to actually match what the people are asking for. And maybe they'll actually win some more elections in the future if they're running on exciting yeah. platforms that are, are tapping mm-hmm. with what the community actually needs, but won't hold my breath with that. We'll see. <laughs> right. I I feel like we've said that many, many times over the past few years. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying it's available to them. Like this. <laughs> yeah. We'll just have to prove it over and over and over. Um, all right. Well, as we wind things down, I guess, uh, g- give me like a number one goal of yours. Like, should you be elected to the Iowa house? What's, what's something you really, really want to get done while you're there? That's tough. Uh, there's because I mean, one, there's a lot of things that are going to get that that I want to get done, and two, I'm not naive to think that I will be able to get a lot of legislation passed in a Republican-controlled yeah. uh, legislature. Yeah. But you know, there are there are issues I want to I want to go up there and fight on for sure. Um, definitely, when it comes to issues of environmental justice, I think that there there are places we can get wins and and things that we need to urgently fight for and also fight against. So ensuring that like the CO2 pipeline that they're planning on building throughout mm-hmm. our state does not get built will definitely be a, a priority of mine. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, would, would be a disaster to our environment um, and, and just an attempt to prop up the, the coal plants that are remaining in our state. Um, but yeah, putting an end to mid-American burning coal, um, putting a, a moratorium on on factory farms and the corporate agriculture industry in our state. So there are a lot of things um, when it comes to the environmental side that I think we need to take immediate action on that I definitely would go up there and, and fight for. But, but you know, fighting for racial justice is is always going to be like top of top of mind for me and, and will always be where I, where I will center the, the issues that I'm fighting for. So fighting back against the, the prison industrial complex that we have in our state, trying to trying to find ways to weaken that industry um, to weaken Iowa prison industries, which is the the private company that profits off of labor that's done in our Iowa prisons. Those are going to be big, big priorities for me. You know, one, one thing I want to try to do is, is build solidarity with incarcerated Iowans. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that, you know, by, by getting a seat in the legislature, I I might have some doors open in, in that way where I might have more access to, talking with incarcerated folks and, and organizing with incarcerated folks for their needs and, and being able to represent them up at the legislature. Cause I think that's something that's really important and something that, you know, other legislators don't think of, uh, you know, incarcerated people in our state as their constituents, Yeah, but, but they are, you know, of course. and, and they need to be advocated for, you know, a lot of times they need to be advocated for the most. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I definitely want to make sure that that's a priority and the work I'm doing up at the state house. Um, and, and here in my district as well, uh, We've kind of talked about how it is a, a wealthier district in, in some areas that has the south of Grand neighborhood in there, you know, it's where, where the governor's mansion is at. So actually, if I went, Kim, Kim Reynolds would technically be a constituent as well because uh, <laughs> the governor's mansion is in the district. Um, but then there's, there's a whole, you know, other side of the district and, and in more diverse areas of the district that are un, unrepresented. Um, and, and, and so like just last weekend, I was knocking doors in the Oak Ridge neighborhood, uh, which is, is right next door to the neighborhood I live in, Sherman Hill. And the Oak Ridge neighborhood is uh, the largest Section 8 housing project in the state of Iowa. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, over 300 units, like something like 1,500 people live there. Majority of them are African refugees. 
um, in, in other immigrant populations um, or just low income folks. And, and I went there and, and I knocked every single door uh, in Oak Ridge and, and talked to every single person I could and, and, you know, had to do a lot of like voter education, telling people how to register to vote, where they could go vote at and stuff like that. But, yeah. uh, you know, that just having those experiences really, you know, again, just kind of further motivates me and, and, and uh, reminds me of why I'm running and, and, and what I want to fight for once I live in the legislature, which are the folks who are most marginalized in our community, right? The people who are living in, in, in the Section 8 housing complex that don't have legislators coming coming to their door and, and asking them what they need. So, yeah, that's, and you know, not one thing, but there's there's so many things that, that I really want to accomplish. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think those, like, two, two main issues, like uh, agriculture and, you know, climate and uh, the prison industrial complex, I mean, that's... That's why it's important for you to win this election specifically, because those are two, as we talked about this whole interview, basically two extremely bipartisan issues where all the Republicans, all the Democrats are basically all under the thrall of the ethanol lobby and the cops. And you will be probably the only person speaking against that bipartisan consensus. Yeah, I think I think that's true. It'll, it'll be lonely, but... I think it's important to have, you know, one person on the like at the state level like advocating for uh, you know common sense basic obvious truth that is just being undermined by power and capital, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's absurd that we're not running real radicals in districts like this. Mm-hmm. Like deep blue 80% districts and we're running fucking Austin Bath, are you kidding me? <laughs> like you can bleep that if you want. I've been trying. Yeah, to I mean, I, I agree. I agree. And, and I think but, I think a lot of the conversations I'm having with people in the district uh, are, you know, people have the same mindset as you. Not, you know, maybe not specifically targeting one person, but just the the <laughs> just the the overall uh, sentiment that like this is such a safe seat and we are in such a bad place in our state. And we are just running the same type of people who are saying the same yeah. things and trying the same things that like we cannot continue to do this. And and when people look at the the field of candidates, I, I a lot of times am the only person uh, talking about something else or, or representing a, a different path forward. So yeah. hopefully that, that resonates with people and people are where you're at, Natalie, and we can actually get this win on June 7th. Yeah, that's why I think it's so important that people get out and vote for you because like these are the districts we need to be getting radicals in because there are safe seats. So like this is like we have opportunities here. So I would really encourage people. I just did on like an hour on TFM about how much I hate Democrats and elections and all of it. And here I am on the main one and I'm being like, you guys should vote. <laughs> and and let me give Natalie vote. a shout out as well because – Natalie has knocked doors for the campaign, you know, brought her family out to knock doors for the campaign, been a big supporter. So definitely appreciate that. Yeah, we're we're so excited. I wish I could vote for you. I'm like right on the line, but I have a yard sign in case someone's like driving by who like lives like. So, but I, I, yeah. I will say um, vote, you should vote. Voting for Jalen is different. Like it, it's it's different. It's different. Yeah. When we do it. <laughs> Voting, it's cool, you can vote for me yeah. and nobody else on the ballot. I don't care. Like and like I said earlier, you can change your registration to out away from a Democrat the next day. I don't care. Just no one will ever know that you registered as a Democrat. You don't have to tell anyone. Honestly, I really don't think it will. It it you can make it so it doesn't register. Um, if you do it, I think within 24 hours after you vote, then like it's like it an annulment. Yeah, never. Oh, it never, never actually counts. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly like uh like Jalen winning as a democrat does more to undermine the uh the power of the democratic establishment i think than if if he was running outside of the party it's sort of like you know using their power against them using what yeah. little electoral machine they have in this state <laughs> for for our You'll own probably purposes. have to get a statement from cindy axney about some of this stuff like oh, how yeah. much would everyone love that like, <laughs> oh, yeah. i was statement. just thinking today i'm like well let's see <laughs> no. if i win this election if cindy axney will reply to all of my messages now because <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, my i've been like sending many messages and making many calls trying to get a meeting with her Mm-hmm. Uh, in regards to, you know, this legislation that I was talking about earlier, the Invest to Protect Act, and yeah, her office has been ghosting mm-hmm. me. So I'm like, 
Mm, maybe if I if I win, then will she take a meeting? And then I'll be like, you don't meet with constituents, but you'll meet with the elected officials. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, listeners in the uh, 36th Iowa House District, if for no other reason than Jalen can force Cindy Axney into an uncomfortable meeting, please, <laughs> please vote for Jalen in the primary. Uh, the day of the primary is June 7th, but people can vote early. Uh, again, could you give us like the details on early voting? Yes, Dan? yes, I can. And also, uh, if you go to jalencavill.com slash vote, uh, my campaign team has put together an amazing uh, webpage with all of the information you would need. Um, but yeah, today is the first day of early voting. Folks probably not listening to this podcast today, but May 18th, uh, and that runs until June 6th. And so you can early vote at uh, the Polk County Auditor's Office Monday through Friday. And then mail voting is a lot more difficult this year, but basically mm-hmm. you have to have your your absentee ballot request into the Polk County Auditor's Office by Monday. So if you need to vote absentee, vote by mail, Make sure you get that into the office ASAP um, and yeah, postmark does not count. It needs to be physically in the office by Monday. So, uh, yeah, do that. Um, and then when are y'all planning on dropping this episode? I will have it out tomorrow, the 19th. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, folks, please vote June 7th. Early voting available now, Monday through Friday at the Polk County Elections Office. And then in-person voting on Tuesday, June 7th, 7 to 8 p.m., at your uh, polling precinct, which if you go to our website, jalencapital.com slash vote, you can find out uh, where your polling precinct is. We're also offering free rides to the polls for supporters. So if you need a ride, hit us up or fill out the online form and we'll make sure someone comes and picks you up and takes you to vote. Uh, and also I will make a plea to, for folks to please, please, please help us with volunteering. This is a grassroots campaign. Like we've discussed, we don't have as much money as some of these other candidates do to send out a ton of mailers and have a bunch of digital ads and stuff like that. We are going to win this race by talking to voters, talking to more voters than they are. So if you have any time and you're able to help us knock on doors, um, we are going to be canvassing all the time, canvassing every weekend for sure. And then canvassing during the weekdays, just let us know what works with your schedule. There's going, there is uh, twice a week phone banks going on right now that you can tap into with Iowa CCI. Those are Monday and Wednesday nights. Again, uh, hit us up. We can give you the link to that as well as uh, you can look at our social medias to find that. Uh, but yeah, any help that people are able to give uh, as far as helping us knock on doors and making phone calls is super, super critical and will we'll definitely uh, help us in, in getting uh, across the finish line and, and winning on election day, hopefully. If someone wants to make a donation to you, how that do too. they do that? Uh, yes, please, if you can make a donation for a <laughs> grassroots campaign, yo, don't have as much money, all that stuff. Uh, but it's uh, on our website. Maybe I can give you all that link if you would want to put it in the bio. I can do that. Okay, cool. But yeah, look in the bio of this episode, y'all, as well as uh, go to our website or yep, social media. Donate button right there on the main page, jalencavill.com. I did want to clarify one thing. Uh, the time of voting on June 7th is at 7 a.m. to 8 p.m.? Yeah, did I say something different? Well, you just said 7 to 8 p.m. I just want to make sure people oh, know yeah. you have more than one hour to vote the day of the primary. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. Good luck. It is an all-day sure. thing. Yes. They closed them earlier, though. They used to be open until 9 p.m. Just now. Yeah. 8 p.m. Yep. now. Hi. Republican voter suppression. If you're in line at 8 p.m., yep. stay, <laughs> stay in, line. in line. Yeah, if you're in line, stay in line. That's the number one Hell thing yeah. I'm always telling people. Stay in line. And if you're <laughs> if you're 17 and you're going to turn 18 by November 8th, mm. register and please vote. And we kind of been alluding to it. Iowa has same-day registration. You don't even have to be registered right now. You could go to the polling place, go to your election place on June 7th and register and vote same day. That's right. And if you're 17 and listening to this podcast, uh, make sure you get permission from your parents. <laughs> <laughs> this has the explicit tag on iTunes. I don't think, I think you're a little young to be listening to this kind of material. I tried not to guess that much today. I don't think I, I, I think last time I was on your episode, I was like saying fuck every other word. So <laughs> you're very well behaved tonight. <laughs> The establishment's getting to you. Yeah, Yeah. Jalen's changed. Oh, don't put that on me, yo. (laughs) I think you did call Caleb a shitty journalist or something like that. Yeah, he's a shitty journalist. (laughs) 
<laughs> I stand by those words. That's a technical term. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we we got the information out to people. We got uh, a good hour of uh, info from Jalen's mind, so you know what kind of candidate is on the ballot. Uh, <laughs> I think it'd be a good idea to vote for him and put him in the house, and I hope that listeners agree. Uh, I think we're endorsing him for the second time, actually, because right. I'm pretty sure we endorsed on the first episode that he was on. So, I mean, yeah, I don't want to speak for everyone else, but... As sheriff, he promised to deputize all of us. I don't know what kind of perks he's going to give us when he wins the house seat, mm-hmm. but I expect they'll be equally good yeah i don't know maybe i'll see if i have like if i get elected i'll get like maybe special access to certain rooms in the capitol or something and then i'll like Ooh, let y'all come yes. and like record an episode in like one of the like i don't know that would be <laughs> we'll, really funny. we'll figure it out <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure something out in uh terry branstead's like secret bathroom or something. <laughs> Hell no, i'm sitting out of there <laughs> that would be so funny uh, We'll go to the top of the dome and record an episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be fun, yeah. All right, well, yeah, we got in trouble for this before, but you can consider this an official endorsement. Uh, I, I don't think Jalen will betray us. Uh, so <laughs> I'll leave that unexplained and uh, bid you farewell. Thanks for listening to Rock Hard Caucus. Thank you to my co-hosts, Stella, Natalie, and Evan. And thank you, of course, to our guest, Jalen Cavill. Democratic candidate for Iowa House District 36. Thank you. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. Send me a kiss by wire. Baby, my heart's on fire. If you refuse me, honey, you lose me. Then you'll be left alone. Oh, baby, telephone and tell me I'm your own.